The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. In virtual worship, our sanctuary empty, we gather together this Sunday in June 2020. In the spirit of one who sang, unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combine, truth and love for all to see. I am the Reverend Dr. Karen Coleman, Associate Chaplain for Episcopal Ministry here at Marsh Chapel. Our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, is traveling this week and sends his warm regards. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation through WBUR 90.9 FM and our listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the spirit moves and when, as it is again permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. As we enter a sacred hour this Lord's Day, we are particularly mindful and prayerful for both those who are suffering the effects of racism and social difficulties of our time, and for those who are suffering the effects of health and safety concerns of our time. Today's service of worship includes the greeting, prayers, and sermon new this week, along with music and liturgy rebroadcast from earlier services. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
May we pray. O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name, for you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed. Because of the boy and because of your slave woman, whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite of him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. For she said, Do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. And she said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife for him in, from the land of Egypt.
A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively verses from Psalm 86 with the antiphon. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am devoted to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all day long. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my cry of supplication. In the day of my trouble I call on you, for you will answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord. You are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and bow down before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the child of your serving girl. Show me a sign of your favor so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame, because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. 
And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Bezabel, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid you are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The Ark of the Universe is long but it bends towards justice. Martin Luther King, Jr., Baccalaureate Address, Wellesleyan College, Hartford, Connecticut, 
June 8, 1964. Have you ever been afraid? If we are truthful, we all have been at one time or another. Someone always asks a preacher, so how and when do you write your sermons? I have dear friends who wake up early Sunday morning, say around 3 a.m., to write their sermons. I admit that will cause me immense anxiety. Most of my clergy colleagues write their sermons during the week, usually finishing by Saturday. COVID-19 and the murder of innocent black lives changed all that. Thrown into production mode, sermons were now recorded sometimes as early as Wednesday for the following Sunday. As you hear my voice, I am recording on a Thursday morning for Sunday's broadcast. And as I speak, I am afraid. I'm afraid that by the time you hear my voice, another incident will occur in this nation and in this world that will make my words appear to be out of step and a callous indifference to an ever-changing and socially aware world. In these past few weeks, the murder of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and now Rayshard Brooks, has made me afraid in ways that make my heart heavy and my body tense. Let me repeat, I am afraid. Afraid that another shoe will drop, another life will be cut short between Thursday and the airing of the sermon on Sunday. And as I thought about today's gospel, I would like to share two stories with you. The first one from my perspective and the second one from the perspective of a friend. First, my story. My father always said to me, it is important for you to always remember to comport yourself well. Heavy words for an eight-year-old to hear, yet alone digest. I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, the daughter of a public school and university administrator and professor. My late father mentored many a young African-American youth toward attending universities when the prospect was not on the radar. My mother is a retired pharmacist who broke the color barrier at Hudson's department store pharmacy department with the help of Dr. Francis Cornegay, the then head of the Detroit NAACP. I was raised in Detroit where I attended the best schools, was involved with the best social clubs, Coets for Young Ladies, Blizzard, a black ski club, charity and debutante balls. My parents were likewise involved in all that the black bourgeoisie community had to offer. Endless holiday balls given by my mother's sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha, my dad's sorority fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi, the guardsmen, etc. 
Holidays were filled with watching my mom and dad dressed in tuxedos and evening gowns. I always figured I knew how to comport myself as I had mentors and role models that guided me along the way. It was only as an adult that I grasped what my father meant. A few years ago, I was having a talk with my oldest childhood friend, now a physician in Baltimore. She told me that she would probably never come to visit me in Boston, and then she told me why. When she was in medical school, she came to visit a friend who was attending Harvard Medical School. The friend explained to her that African Americans could only safely go out on a Saturday night. Friday nights were reserved for white patrons, and violating that unwritten rule could cause you bodily harm. That conversation has stayed with her all these years. I began to think of the totality of my life and experience as an African-American female in Boston. I recently had a Zoom meeting with some clergy colleagues and realized that in every city and town that was represented in all the squares, I had been racially profiled, followed and or ignored at stores in Copley Place and Chestnut Hill Mall, refused service at a Brookline nail salon, followed by a police car in more than a few Metro West suburbs, physically bumped into without a word of apology as if my mere existence was in the way of another's right to occupy space. Called the N-word as I tried to cross the street at the crosswalk near the Boston University president's home. The injustice are many and the fear is great. Always remembering my father's words, it is always important for you to comport yourself well. What he didn't tell me and what my fear now is, even if I do comport myself well, I could at best be on a video highlighting injustice toward myself or at worst, I could end up dead. Recently, I have a mantra that I use every time I enter a space as a black body or I drive through places that make me feel tense in a way I didn't feel before. I am more aware of how I comport myself. My spiritual director asked me recently, how is my spirit holding up? I responded that I say my prayers and pray that God would place all of us in God's hands and then find a way to still and quiet my mind. I place my fears in most every aspect of my life in God's hands, knowing that whatever the outcome, whatever happens, God is watching over me. Today, we come to chapter 10 in Matthew's Gospel, which is often called the Missionary Discourse. At the beginning of the chapter, Jesus gives his disciples instruction to do as he has done, giving them authority over unclean spirits. 
to cure people of their illnesses, and to proclaim the good news. The disciples were no longer to be students who sat at his feet, but laborers to be sent out into the world, curing the sick, casting out demons, cleansing lepers, partnering in announcing God's reign. In many ways, he prepared them like our parents prepared us for life. Watch out for strangers. Read the directions carefully. Pay attention to this and that. Comport yourself well. All of their directions, whether we wanted to hear them or not, were meant to help us protect ourselves, to learn about life with its different quirks and challenges, because sooner or later, we would be out on our own. As part of his instructions, Jesus gave them things to be aware of. They would share in his poverty and in his homelessness, and they will be depending on the hospitality of others. They were not expected to be welcomed everywhere. The same hostility that he faced, they too will face, for they will be sent out like sheep in the midst of wolves. They were going to encounter persecutions and threats and trials. Life would not be easy for anyone who followed him. He told them all of this because soon he would be leaving them to ascend to God and leave them to continue the work that he had started. And while he gave them all the do's and don'ts, he added the most important note of all. Do not be afraid. Have no fear. In other words, they can do all sorts of things to you. They can say anything, but don't you worry about them. If you have any worry, worry about God. Eugene Patterson put it this way in the message, and I quote, don't be bluffed in the silence by threats of bullies. There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God, who holds your entire life, body, and soul in God's hands. You can get a sparrow for a penny, and if God knows where they are, imagine the God who will give care to you. All the hairs on your head are counted, for you and you are deeply loved by your God. Jesus said to them, someone has said, fear hangs on us like humidity on a hot summer night, end quote. For us human beings, that seems to hold true. There are fears that we all have, the fear of spiders, snakes, new beginnings, wars, speaking in public, change, sickness, and death. We fear for the youth of today. We fear a virus which we have no cure for. We fear for people of color. We fear people finding out our weaknesses and what our lives are really like. 
any number of things we are fearful of. We can succumb to our fear or numb it with anything that will make us feel better. Or we can try to let it go and give it to God. And I admit that seems so big and huge at this time. But that is what Jesus is offering us this morning. We are reminded that God also truly cares for us. Every hair on our head, every fiber of our being is counted for we are deeply loved by God. We cannot expect life to go along without ups and downs, that there will never be any problems or fears. Fear is the enemy of faith, and the answer to faith, to fear, is faith. Life's situations may sometimes tempt us to give up and shut down, but if our faith in God is strong, if we keep God close, if we put our hands in the hands of God, we can persevere in the best and worst of times. I am not talking about the carefree bliss of the naive, but of the courage of those willing to stand with God's help in times when faith matters most. Conventional wisdom says, play it safe, don't take any chances. But the wisdom beyond our own says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. The voice of fear says, self-preservation is the first law of nature. But the voice of faith says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The voice of fear says, don't start what you can't finish. But the voice of faith said, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you wherever thou goest. The second reflection this morning is from the writer Greg Garrett, a professor of English at Baylor University and theologian in residence at the American Cathedral in Paris. Here's his story. As I pulled up in front of the house yesterday and started unloading, a car pulled into our cul-de-sac. Not too close, but close enough that I knew they were waiting on me. As I bumped the door closed, my hands full, I saw a black man in his 30s standing at the door of a pickup truck, a boy about my child's age in the passenger seat. He asked me if this was our address, and I said yes. Then he stepped from the door of his truck, his hands raised a little, palms toward me, and stopped some distance away further than required by social distancing. He told me his name, the name of his, of his son, said he attended the elementary school with our child. We're here to pick up his class t-shirt, he said. I realized all of a sudden that all of this, the posture, 
the detailed explanation, the distance, even his waiting to address me until I had gathered all my things from the car was to put me at ease, to let me know he belonged in my neighborhood, that he was not a threat of some sort. And I was stricken. Of course, I said. I nodded. I think I saw a bag with your name on it on the front porch. My hands were full, but I motioned with my head. Please, come on up. We walked together toward the front door. He picked up the bag, smiled at me. On the way back, he stopped in the driveway, turned back to me. Have a blessed day, he said. Then he climbed in the truck and handed the bag to his son, who excitedly pulled out his T-shirt, and I went into the house. I did not feel blessed. I felt wrapped. Two dads who loved their fifth grade graduates, one black, one white, two very different experiences and two very different lives. I am haunted by his hands, slightly raised in plain view. I mean no harm by his son watching the entire interaction learning probably for the thousandth time how a black man has to act to make clear he is not a danger. By the fact that I never ever had to give my two sons the talk, the conversation in African-American families about how a young black man can maximize his chances to come home alive and unharmed. And I am haunted that I am only late in my life's recognizing in ways large and small how people of color are forced to compensate in ways I have never noticed because I have never had to. I can't believe I have been asleep my whole life. A couple of years ago, Van Newkirk and I were on stage at Washington National Cathedral and he was telling us about Martin Luther King's last Sunday sermon, preached from the Canterbury pulpit just behind us. Dr. King had related the tale of Rip Van Winkle, who fell asleep and awakened in a world that had completely changed. Don't sleep through a great revolution, was Dr. King's message, and I guess it is also mine today. But also this, I offer it in love, with regret, with thanks, in hope. Have a blessed day. May the Holy One of Blessing give us strength and courage to change, Greg. Our lives are not meant to be lived by putting our heads in the sand or hiding in the closet or living in darkness at the first sign of trouble or struggle. God means for us to be children of the light. As Christians, we have been given many tasks to go out into the world, to speak the truth in love, to help bring the darkness into the light, to proclaim the reign of God that is here and to come, to feed, to clothe, to love, 
to invite others to know God for themselves. And we can live this life because every hair and every fiber, every wrinkle, every cell is counted. Because we need not fear those who may respond in laughter or in opposition or with criticism. Because we need not fear those who can kill the body but can't touch the soul, our core being. And we can be bold about it because we have the faith and the trust in God's never failing love for us. Let us pray. The whole point of living is to become spiritually aware in thinking, feeling, suffering, and doing. It is not success so much that matters anymore as becoming more deeply human. That is kinder, truer, more to be relied on, and less automatic in response. Amen. We now come to a time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. 
please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by listening to the prayers written by our Marsh Chapel member, Sandra Cole. For the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we give thanks. Holy Lord, our shepherd, we are walking through a dark valley right now, but we ask you to lead us, walk with us, and follow us. Hear our prayers as we call on you to rescue us. We are thankful for a loving and merciful God. Rescue us from the darkness of sin. Forgive us harassing others. Forgive us for abusing the work of your hands. Forgive us for neglecting the needs of others. We are thankful for the Holy Spirit. Rescue us from the darkness of inaction. Give us spiritual wisdom and insight so that we may grow in faith and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Abide with us so that we may put that knowledge into action and live confidently and boldly as Christians, on guard, standing firm in the faith, courageous and strong, extending kindness and love in everything we do, and forgiving those who have sinned against us. Though we are confronted with overwhelming indifference, vitriol, cruelty, and violence in the world today, as a people of faith, we turn our focus to you. We pray for the citizens and leaders of this nation and around the world. We are thankful that the Lord is our shepherd. Rescue us from the darkness of indifference. Be with us, lead us, and guide us, Lord. Give us eyes to see and discernment to recognize the evil around us and the evil within us. Restore our souls so that we may not be indifferent. Restore our souls so that we will stand with our sisters and brothers who have been and continue to be harassed, abused, and marginalized. Give us the voice to speak out and the courage and will to take action against it. We pray for those who have lost loved ones and those who have lost their way. We are thankful for the comfort of your presence. Rescue us from the darkness of worry and doubt. Comfort those with broken lives and broken hearts. When we fear what lies ahead, Help us to remember that you are our companion through the difficult times and that you have promised us great things. We pray that our minds stay focused on you, to wait for you, Lord. Blessings, for you alone are our help and shield. 
we thank you for the privilege to carry everything to you in prayer. Help us to let love be our guide and peace rule our hearts. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who is with us always to the end of the age. Amen.
O Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, a happy lodging, and peace at the last, through Christ our Lord. Amen.